You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're taking a deep dive into Enneagram One in Marriage. I am so excited about this series that was inspired by my Enneagram and Marriage certification students last summer as we delved so deep into each type, and I just wanted to bring that out to you guys. So I've developed a 30-page booklet to go along with this podcast. You can find it in the show notes. You can share it with your loved ones. And Jen, my wonderful executive assistant, she is also an awesome Enneagram and marriage coach in her own right. She helped me to edit them. So together we are going to go through these types with you and I hope you will really glean something new. Even if you're an Enneagram expert out there, I hope that as you visit the types in marriage with us, that you will pick up on new understandings, that you will be refreshed by these episodes, and that you will ultimately take these learnings into the world to glow brighter individually and as a couple and as just in the world. We need you to glow brighter out there in the collective too. So I want to remind you that each of the episodes will be talking about the vices, the virtues, the subtypes. We're going to be going through arrows and wings and some marriage tips at large. So stick around even if you think you know this because these are really lifelong tips for the types. And just to be able to listen with joy with your spouse, I think is very important versus listening with a critical view. But just listen with a curiosity. And if you want to do this alone before you meet with your spouse, that's okay too. Or just choose to share and drip it to them in little bits and pieces. If they're a one or if you're a one listening, find your way, find your route, understand mistakes are part of it all, but just grow with us and glow with us. I promise it will be a good journey. I believe in you for it. And I'm super thankful for you on this journey with me. I want to let you know, I'm also going to be sharing quotes from each of the types for our podcast as well. And the quote I have for you ones is a C.S. Lewis quote that says, love is not an affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained. And I think that's a a really great reminder that ones at their best truly do have a steady wish for their loved one's ultimate good as far as it can be obtained. Um, but I want to challenge us as we take in some beautiful Lewis. And trust me, I love Lewis. Our son is named after Lewis. My husband loves C.S. Lewis even more than I do. But I love him too. Don't get me wrong. I'm just a bigger Tolkien fan. But but really here, what we really want to focus in on is when he says love is not an affectionate feeling, I want to I want to one up him to use a little play on words with the one thing. I want to let him know that love can also be an affectionate feeling and it can also be uh, for the loved person's ultimate good. Let's have both and let's bring in healthy wisdom as well because we really want our ones to understand that feelings aren't to be rejected. I know they're not always super practical for logical ones, but really when you can pair a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good with that affection, and feeling, I think you're going to get even farther. And I think C.S. Lewis did that. But I think he's ultimately calling us to a wonderful display of good, even when our feelings lead us astray. And he has some other excellent quotes about how we can't just follow feelings. But when we put together feelings and healthy instinct with wisdom, I think we're really having a winning combination here. So thank you, C.S. Lewis. Thank you so much for you guys listening. And let's dive right in. Hey, Jen, I'm so happy to be chatting with you today. Oh, Krista, I'm so happy to be here. 
Well, uh, this is a very special first episode on our deep dives. And I'm so glad I have you with me because not only are you a one, but you also helped me with these. So thank you so much, Jen. Oh my gosh. You're so welcome. I really enjoy editing these, not just because it taught me so much, but now I can really use it in teaching a lot of other people about their types, which is amazing. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad. And what better person than to help than a type one. So as we get started on talking about the one today, we also have a special treat. As I just hinted, Jen is a one. So it's a really cool way for us to intro you guys into not just the basics about one. We've already done that episode, but taking a deeper look at type ones in marriage. So thank you, Jen, once again for that. Oh, you are so welcome. And to tell you the truth, it was very challenging to edit a one learning about all the different things about a one in marriage that I have to struggle with a little bit and work with. So that's been, that's been a lot of growth from myself as well. You know, I think that's really a beautiful segue into as you guys enter into your deep dives for those who get the actual 30 plus page deep dive on your type. I want you to know that Jen's experience is very common that as you read about yourself, it can feel like not just that somebody's reading your mail, but somebody's reading your junk mail. <laughs> it's like, I don't want anyone to know this, right, Jen? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely true, but the amazing thing is once you kind of come to terms with your faults and your flaws, then that that's where the real growth can happen. So you're like, okay, these are the things I struggle with because all of the types struggle with things. And so we all need to remember that. And we have our own things and we just work through those. And that's where we can really improve and get our glow on. Exactly. And that is really the goal is that individually you would get healthy from this deep dive time that you would get healthy one-to-one in your marriage. But then also that, like Jen says, you'll be glowing out there brighter in the world. So let's get into type one. So I think just to give everyone a quick review, let's remember what is a type one. Can you tell us the qualities of a type one and maybe just some of the virtues and the vices and the basics of a type one? Absolutely. That's a great place to start because type ones are often called names that I think all of us are called names that we might fit with or might not fit with. And in one's case, they're called sometimes the perfectionist or the reformer or the improver. And as you listen to that as the one, you might really wince at some of these names or you might identify with them. So I would encourage you not to look as much at the name of the type as just the traits that I'm going to describe now here to forward. And those are that a one, um, ones are basically people who are very good at making changes and detailed changes in the world. Like we said, with Jen editing, that's a really good way for a one to work and walk through the world is by editing because they're so good, whatever their job is, they're always editing. Would you agree with that, Jen? Completely. Yes. I go into every situation looking at how I can organize it better, how I can improve upon it. And I like the fact that you said with names, we don't need to fixate on the name because when I heard the word perfectionist in the past, I've definitely cringed, but I do want to make things better. And so maybe not perfect, but better. And so that's a very good place for me to start. 
Yes. And also sometimes people have been told you are this in a negative way. And whereas some of the names are more positive, we don't always associate perfectionism with positivity. So that can be extra hard on a one because they want to improve already. They work so hard at it. And so, yes, let's not label each other with a name as much as to be able to say, what are the type one traits I identify with? And at a core type ones, not only are improvers of the world, but they also want to be good. And especially their, their real heart is to avoid being bad. Usually at some point in their childhood or development, they felt as though they had to keep a very tight rope kind of walking line to make sure they did everything right. And some of the ones that I've worked with have told me this was just an intrinsic feature of who they were made to be. And other ones specifically remember having a parent figure, maybe a father figure who was difficult and who was loving, but very hard on them and even inconsistent. So they felt like they had to develop this inner super ego, if you will, the parent part of the brain that would help them to make choices and help them to do the right thing. Have you heard from ones who said the same, Jen? To tell you the truth, I haven't, but I'm trying to think about my own experience. And I think, um, I'm not sure if I can resonate with that. I'm going to have to digest that, which is so interesting because the more we learn about the Enneagram, the more we have to digest different aspects of it and think about whether it's true for us and then figure out, you know, how that came to be. So I think I'm going to have to think on that. Yes. Yeah. And it's a really deep dive here with you guys. So be, be like Jen and digest and don't just put everything on from a type because you're a unique person. And although we're sorting a bit here, you go beyond the sorter's hat, you are unique. So you might have certain features where you say, yes, I love improving the world. And even if I don't want to see errors everywhere, I happen to see them. Um, this is the kind of spouse who often says I walk into the house and I don't want to be critical, but I see what's not clean. I see what's not looking good. I start straightening. I start improving and correcting. And sometimes my spouse or family can feel upset about that. But I just want to remind everybody that sometimes that's the etiology is that there was a harsh inner critic. And this is the way the one feels that they can walk through the world with safety. And then often the one like Jen is saying, we want to improve, but we don't, we know that things can't be perfect. So that's a good disclaimer that when people say ones have to have everything perfect, I think a lot of ones have certain areas where they really want things to be perfect. But most of all, I think they just want to see improvement. Would you agree? Yes, completely. I think it's improvement. And again, as we become healthier as ones, we realize too, that nothing is going to be perfect. And so a little step, even if it's just a very small step in the right direction is going to go a long way because that's all we need to see is just a little bit of improvement. Yes. That's a great reminder for one spouses and those married to ones is you guys to find a compromise there, because that's something that a lot of ones even have a military background where they say, I was taught this ordering system and I need everyone to follow it. And of course we joke about the dishwasher being one of those ways, but that's not it for everyone. Um, it's just nice for them to say, if I see effort toward doing something efficiently, then I'm happy. Or if I see something happening without waste, because the good news is that with all of these peculiarities that we all bring and our nuances, there are some beautiful gifts to each type. And before we get into the vices, I do want to highlight that ones really do have the gift of bringing fairness, justice, and goodness to the world. So when you think about what's right and you know, type ones are very instinctually based, they're body types, which you can read more about in the deep dive too. 
but really these, these ones are very good at just feeling it out a lot of the time with their instincts and they're, they're using their five senses and saying, you know, something is crooked on the wall. And sure enough, they're right. I know the other day, my husband said, I hear, hear a fan in the car. Let me have you pop open the hood when we were at church and my kids kind of rolled their eyes. And I said, guys, dad has a gift here. Let's see what he says, because I knew he does have a gift. He has super hearing. Have you experienced this? Completely. That is so true because for me, the same thing has to do with the hearing where we'll be sitting in a room with a group of people and I'll say, did you hear that? And everyone will say no. And for me, it's like, well, it's so obvious. And then I'll go figure out what the sound is and where it came from. But I have noticed a heightened awareness of my senses. And when I was growing up, I really was afraid of my gut intuition. And I would always question myself. And as I've gotten older and learned more about the Enneagram and personal growth, I've realized I need to learn to trust that and lean into it and not be afraid of it. That's really interesting that you were afraid of it too. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're saying I'm listening and leaning in more to these God-given instincts because that is such a gift to the world now that you're getting more confident with that. And I think that when we talk briefly about subtypes, we'll learn that that's a feature of the self-preserving one. And I'm really glad that you are growing in that way and that Wes is and that we can teach our families, like don't ever miss out on the beautiful gifts of your spouse, right? Yes, that is very true. And that's something that my husband now relies on me a bit more for is my instincts because mine are much stronger than his. And so when I say that doesn't feel right, or that doesn't seem right, he's leaning into that. And we're using that to guide us a little bit more than we have in the past. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's exactly what we did. And sure enough, the next day, even though he said, Oh, it's just a very tiny fan. I figured out what it was the next day. The fan got so loud in the car and the girls just looked at me like deer in the headlights. Like, Oh my gosh, Dan was right. (laughs) I'm like, I told you, but what's hard is that ones often get frustrated because they see so many things that need to be changed that they can get very stuck and not make changes because they get overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of all that needs to be done. So that's why Jen and I cannot emphasize more. There will always be a to-do list till the day you die. So celebrate that, enjoy it and take breaks from it. And I don't think there's a better way for one to do that than to put in some good hard work in life and in marriage and then take a break because they need those breaks. Right, Jen? Oh, yes. That's something I've been learning to do and I still struggle with, but rest is a huge component for a one. We need to lean into our rest, not only just for our bodies, because burnout is a real thing for a one. And I've experienced that multiple times with just overdoing and chores and exercise and work and all the things that we need to lean into rest because then we can get in touch with our minds and our hearts, which is something that we can just really repress or and ignore if we are not very careful. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's a really good reminder too, that you really have to go with it. If you feel that your body is kind of wearing down, but you're like, I can't, I have to dot every I and cross every T instead. I think it's important for the one to remember it will always be here. There is always going to be work and more to do and more to perfect. So allow that serenity in. And now we'll talk a little bit about what happens. It's not just that the one can burn out. That's more a feature of the self-preserving one, but 
all the ones in general, and especially I would say the other two types of ones, uh, the sexual and the social one, they can get even angry when they're feeling really, really worn down and hurt by just all these different sensory experiences in the world. So one of the main features you should know about a one is that their vice, and some people will say this is their main sin. If they're thinking about the seven deadly sins or the vice, or, um, just the problem with the one emotionally is that they can have anger and they can forget to connect that anger to deeper emotions, like the sadness that may lie below that, the sadness of like Jen said of, Oh, there's just so much to do or the fear that they might feel about survival, but they just rise up to that anger instinctually. And what they really need to do is to pause there. But what can happen is instead of pausing, they can go into their, their fixation, which is resentment. And then they can resent those around them for not working as hard as them. And they can get judgmental about that, even though they'll never be able to see another person's neurobiology. And they will just think, ah, I've done all this work. I've had to hold all these plates up for everybody all my life. I don't get to have fun. I don't get to be creative. I have to work hard and nobody else is working as hard as me. So that can be really hard on a marriage when people are living in that space of feeling like I'm alone when they're actually not alone in most cases. And I know that you've probably experienced this if you're a one or a spouse of a one listening. So it's really important that you understand that instead of the anger and the resentment, taking that instinctual pause has been so helpful to so many ones I know. And then we'll talk a little bit more, but first, Jen, I want to ask you, I want to pause. Has that ever been helpful to you as a one? Yes. Yes. I think for me, I am a self-preserving one. And so I can really let the resentment build inside of me. And it sometimes really causes an explode in anger, but most of the time it really is just the resentment building and then causing little micro expressions underneath the surface, especially in marriage or with my kids where it lingers. And then all of a sudden I snap or I say something that it just should not have been said. And so for me, it's getting in touch and seeing, okay, why am I feeling this way? And also look at, looking at my expectations, just because I want the house to look a certain way. doesn't mean everyone else wants it and that that needs to be done. So I've really altered my expectations for just what I want versus what the rest of my family wants. Oh my gosh. What a gift to all of you, because what happens with our vices is that we think it's going to serve us. And we think our fixation Mm -hmm. of the resentment in this case is going to serve us. And it doesn't, it actually hurts us and brings us down, which I find so fascinating. So I love when people do their deeper Enneagram work and learn this. And then I also want to add to that, that, and you already hinted at it, that the virtue of the one is the serenity, which allows them to be totally peaceful within and to just even saying the serenity prayer, if you Google that and, and put that up somewhere in your car or on your phone or desktop, that this, this reminder that we can only change certain aspects and we have to leave the rest to God is very peaceful and allows them to accept who they are and the people around them just as they are. And that is absolutely huge for a one. Yes, that is. That is exactly what I have had to learn. And I have to remind myself of consistently as a one, we need to have acceptance and serenity is a place that I need to go to more, Mm -hmm. which goes along with rest just for me. 
Yes, it's it's so important. And we also in our deep dive booklets talk more about the defense mechanism of reaction formation and some blind spots for one. But I want to tell you guys a little bit about the wings and arrows of one now, because I think that it's important that you understand that our tendency is to lean to one wing or another without the balance and even without a helpful formula. So I just want to quickly remind you guys that if you think, oh, I'm a lot like the nine, I'm a one wing nine, or I'm a lot like the two, I'm a one wing two. That's great. But what you really want is to be expansive within your type one framework and to help your spouse to do this too, by saying you, you need the peace of nine, just like we said that serenity first, and that will allow you to make healthy decisions about you help you helping with your two wing right there. So I just want to remind you, take your rest after your hard work. And that way you have your peaceful type nine. You can listen to the deep dive episode on the nine for that too, but, um, but really just lean into that space of peace. And then you can decide which things am I going to leave to God and which things am I going to get to today? And some things you're hoping for maybe tomorrow or next week, but each day we ultimately have to surrender to God. I'm sure COVID has taught us all that, right, Jen? Oh, yes. And I just wanted to give a quick example about something that I had a problem with in the past. And when you're talking about wings and I would not go to nine and find my peace and serenity, I would move right to two. And it came from a very frantic place Mm -hmm. because I thought it was right and good. And I wanted to help other people. And so I would continually go and go and go and getting all my things done, doing all my things and then going to help and serve in such a frantic way that I I wasn't serving others well, and I definitely wasn't serving myself well. And Mm -hmm. so now that I know I really need to go into my nine and get that peace and calm and just really access my heart, then I can serve from a much better place. Oh my gosh. What a great reminder for everybody. Who's just thinking, no, 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 I'm a two wing and forget about that nine or, or vice versa Mm -hmm. that they're just hanging out in nine and one and becoming super introverted and, and not helping. And maybe because those two both have a lot of anger deeply laden that they're allowing their micro expressions. And we talk about that in the deep dive guide as well, but there's a lot of micro expressions of each type and holding in anger, creates certain looks and movements for people and others can pick up on it. And spouse can feel like they're walking on eggshells. So it's so important that you titrate both. Um, And then we also have the arrow movements for a type one, which really are similar to what we've been saying. And that is they're also to relate to type seven and four. So it's nice when you see, gosh, I'm a one and I was kind of penciling myself in or boxing myself in, but now I'm learning that I'm also like a two, I can be like a nine and then seven and four are also movements that are fairly easy for a one as well. Once they get into their rhythm and, and those look like at seven, one saying, okay, I know sevens are fun and enthusiastic, full of ideas and healthy thinking. So at this point, ones who are often thinking inhibited because their thoughts are so consumed by their critical details that they become actually at seven, they can actually become better thinkers and more creative. And instead of just thinking about ideas they want to do, they can start moving. A seven is a very movement oriented space on the ideas. It's a mental space as well. So ones are usually doing their cleaning and their five senses work, but to get them into their heads at seven is not something we hear about a lot. We always hear just go to fun, go to fun. And that's true, but we just kind of said that about the nine space. So I want to add here that sevens also are 
really good innovators. And ones have to take that on to really feel as fulfilled in life and in marriage, or you could find yourself in marriage looking for a different spouse. Even when you get bored and say, you know, what's going on, I'm critical. I didn't get the best spouse. And they could also move into their four arrow there and do the same thing and say, the grass is greener on the other side. I'm jealous. Instead. It's like, no, use the creativity in your own mind, start innovating, have some fun help, but don't over help. Does that make sense, Jen? Yes. And you know what? You're right about the seven. I always thought of going to the seven space to have more fun, but I also think about it as a creativity space for me when I really like to write. And so going into my seven is like writing creatively and using my brain, um, in much deeper ways than just organizing and being meticulous with editing. It's, you know, doing more creative writing and being creative. And I like to do puzzles with my kids on the weekend or, you know, paint with them. And that helps me to go into my seven space because it is fun, but it's also creative and using my mind in a much different way. That's beautiful. And it really integrates your four and also in healthier ways versus the jealousy and grass is greener and victimization for a one. It brings the creativity of the seven and the four to you. And that is a beautiful place for one. You very easily move from. We have one is a body type. Seven is a head type and four is a heart type. So it's a very beautiful rhythm when you can really consider all these spaces. And I think with, with one's wings being also the two and the nine, those are heart and body space, what we really have to remember for you ones is thinking, thinking clearly, thinking critically and coming up with ideas. And as Jen said, writing, don't be afraid to let it out, even to get out what we, we know is that first draft, which isn't as good and just leaving it there for a little while and saying, I will come back. I'm a great editor. I will chew on this for a little while. I know Wes, my husband, who's a one often says that that's something that he learned over the years. And he even taught me that as well, that coming back to something and after you've thought about it for a while is okay. And that's not necessarily intuitive to one because you want to do everything right the very first time. Yes, you're exactly right. I have had to learn that to come back to something because a lot of the times I will try to get it done the first time and get it done right. And that will also push me to the limits. And so I've had to learn to take breaks and to walk away from things. That's great. Yes. Everything that's worth doing is going to need editing anyway, as you know, as the one. So that includes you, you get grace too. That's a word we want ones to hang on to. And then I lastly on the arrow conversation want to enunciate that the four space for the one is a very good space to allow in deep feelings and emotions. And a lot of ones I work with get stuck right there because they say, I don't know what I'm going to do in terms of um, once I get there, I'm afraid I won't be able to get out. But I just want you to understand as long as you have a prepared route out, then you're fine. And that can look like you knowing what over the counter uh, stress vitamin you take. There's literally an Ollie vitamin called stress that I talked about on this podcast over COVID times. It could be that you're like, no, I know myself. If I have a good cry, that's going to be exactly what I need. It could be that you allow yourself some deep emotional processing, and then you rip up that journal page or you burn it. Uh, you could plan something fun afterwards and go to that seven space in the fun realm. But I just want you to understand that I do also have the refresh prayer cycle that I have at the Enneagramandmarriage.com website. And it's just a simple way of lamenting and then taking some time to 
be in a, a space of gratitude, which is a very good space for the one and the four, and then also a place of, okay, now let me do some healthy planning. So I think that's a helpful thing to add to the ones in the four space. Yes, I agree. And for me, it's a verbal processing. I need to talk with someone about it. And once I do that, it really feels like a release. And then I can go on and do the next thing. And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it too, is just talking through something. And sometimes I've been known to do that on my own. I talk through it in my own head. And by doing that, I get it out. And that feels like a lament to me. And then I'm able to move forward. But you're right. It's, it can be easy to get stuck in that space. Yes. And that rain cloud sitting over your head is not healthy Mm -hmm. for anybody. And it can feel very wearying. And it's why sometimes I've said ones can also take a psychotropic medicine if they need to, there's no shame in taking an element that helps you. If you are just feeling like that And a lot of ones in the postpartum time need this as well, but whether you're a female or a male one, I want to give you permission to go there as does Jen, you are deserving of taking some time in your emotions. They're not going to take you down forever. There are great strategies to get you back up. I know my type one husband is like Jen, that he likes to go on a walk and talk with me mm-hmm. out loud. And, and a lot of ones like to recount their day at the end of the day to just say, this is how the day went and here were the good things in it. And that helps them to get through the bad parts. And then they also, a lot of times he will even take some time to, if he's really upset to cry on the way to or from work, to just let feelings out in the car. And obviously men in our culture have not been given as much permission to be emotional. So that's been a safe place for him too. Wow. I never thought about that. Okay. For me, it can be a difficult, difficult for me to cry as well. And so I need to find things that trigger that. And we've talked about it before, but having a movie or even a book or something that allows you to have a good cry, I think is, it could be very useful here as well. Yes, me too. And I think that with ones being the compliant dependent stance, um, sometimes just to have a person with them helps a lot to be able to say, Hey, it's not super easy for me to think out loud. And unless I'm being critical on myself, uh, occasionally others, but, but even on themselves or others. So to be able to say to your spouse, like, Hey, I'm here for you. If you have a one spouse, or if you're a one to ask your spouse, can you spend some time hanging out with me and talking me through something that's very valuable. So ones are very good listeners in general. I just want to remind you guys to be good listeners back to your ones. And we don't have time to get into everything, the harmonic grouping, the harmony grouping, the stances, the orientation to time, but these are all in our deep dives for type one. And we have a ton of resources in there for you with case studies. We have ones in every single season of marriage from dating to premarital to early childhood raising to middle marriage years to retirement and onward. So we're covering all these bases, but I also still today want to give you guys some marriage tips for ones, because I think that is a very important aspect to our podcast mm-hmm. here. So Jen, what would you say are, um, a tip or two? What, what would you say is a tip or two for type ones in marriage, something that you've learned along the way? And then I'll share a few things. So one of the things that I always go back to is I need my regular self-care to work through my anger. Because my anger and my resentment can cause huge problems in my marriage if I don't get a hold of them quickly. And so for me, it's I have really strong rhythms and routines like we've talked about. And getting those practices in helps me just to control it. And then also to get perspective of whether what I'm feeling is rational or not. Sometimes it can feel 
like in the moment, it's very rational to think, of course, why didn't he do the dishes? I'm going to let that resentment build. But then I come back to, okay, but he's playing with the kids and it's okay that he didn't do the dishes. And so it's not a big deal. He'll do them later or I'll do them later or whatever. But I really need to see multiple perspectives. I am not always right, even though I like to think I am. And I'm not, my way is not always the best way. So I really need to make sure I have the opportunity to do that. And regular self-care really gets me grounded in that way. That's beautiful and such a good reminder because here I started us out by saying a lot of the times ones are right. And that is absolutely true, but they're not always right. And so ones can have a really hard time apologizing or seeing multiple perspectives. And when they do, they're unstoppable. So I just want to encourage you if you're a one to, to do what Jen is saying and to try to lean in and remember, you just don't understand another person perfectly. You could never have been into their complex brain design to know everything they're dealing with and going through. People often say ones have more energy than others. So I've often encouraged type one clients to celebrate that with gratitude that they do have a bit more energy, but sometimes they don't. And and like Jen said, they can run themselves and wear themselves out. So pay attention. If you're a one who does not have that much energy, don't claim it. But if you do spend time in gratitude, I also want to say that I think it's really important that ones understand that when we say take a pause, it might need to be a good 30 minute break where you do some exercise to get your heart rate up. Wes is fond of bike rides for just five to 10 minutes to get that heart rate up and the anger out. A lot of ones need a regular massage. I had a client recently say they had to up their massages because they needed one more often where somebody can really get into their body and give some deep tissue. Another way to do that is to pull weeds in the garden. A lot of ones really do well bringing order to their yards and it just, it does so much for them bodily. Would you agree, Jen? Yes. And that's one thing I've started doing gardening in the past few years and just being able to pull out weeds or even plant something is really good for me to get my anger out. But also um, it's really good for a one to see, see something growing in nature like that and to be improving the world. That's a huge benefit. So gardening is great. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so glad that you're aware of that because I just want everyone to know that. And, and ones also communication wise may struggle with areas of sex and even owning their own anger. So it's also important that if you're a one who says, you know what, I'm a five senses person and I'm so sensitive in the area of sex, we're just going to cut that out of our lives. I really want to welcome you to uh, not only to this deep dive that we're talking about where we give tips, but also we have an episode on sensory issues in marriage. And I have lots of episodes on just sex and marriage. So I want you to make sure you're listening to that too, because that's very important as a one that you don't just cut out an important area of life that is also good for you and your, your partner in most cases. So please give that a chance. If your five senses have been so overloaded that you've said, I have to give that up because sometimes there's even an area from childhood where sex was introduced to a one as something dirty or wrong. And, and we know with purity culture in the Christian world, at least there's just been a lot of unintentional hurt there as well to make people feel like once you're married, your sex life is going to be perfect and easy. And instead we more have to laugh and say sex is messy and it goes wrong sometimes and it goes sideways. And we, we have to just love each other and find ways to bond, but we don't want to just throw sex out because it's hard or messy. 
Mm, yes, yes. And that is very true. And I think sometimes as a one, I want things to be perfect or I want a, a situation or a date to go perfectly. And it doesn't, and I need yeah. to have a lot more grace for that and a lot more understanding and remember exactly what you just said. Life is messy. Yes. yes. And, you know, we have gone through so many ups and downs with this in our marriage. And, you know, I just had to laugh like, Wes, why did you pick a seven? <laughs> like we are so messy and all over the place. And, and it's because he wants what I bring him. And so don't be too discouraged if you picked a spouse that's so different from you, because of course, over the years, we're going to glow differently. And, and bosses in my life have been like, oh, you're a one. And I'm like, oh no, you need to see my bedroom. Um, but it's like, I, I think that, and does some ones have messy bedrooms, but obviously it's like, we all know our type instinctually, like, what are we most afraid of? And I already said for a one, it's really being bad or wrong and they don't want their spouse to be bad or wrong. So please understand that your spouse's differences from you are gifts to you and what they have that's different from you can make you more perfect. And I know that's the goal for a one. So you're going to be better as you lay aside a lot of this, what you think is perfection. Um, and then really realize, no, this is anger and resentment that are hiding and disgust themselves as a camouflage for my own issues. So you do have to start facing your issues. And that's why we have tons of issues in our book here for you, because we just know how many thousands of voices have contributed to the research that we've done. And we feel so honored, but we were just trying to think of a way to carry it in this episode, in our other episodes on ones, and then in our deep dive. But do you have any other things you just really want to remind people of for a type one gen as we're closing up the episode? I know I want one more thing. I want to talk a little bit about subtypes, but anything from your end. Um, yeah, I would say that, like we mentioned earlier about perfection, I think that, yes, we want everything to be perfect, but we also have to remember that life is messy and beautiful. And we all, we need to just appreciate and enjoy that because in the strive for perfection and making everything better, we really miss out on a lot of things in life. And I know that I have focused too much on the way things look or the future. And I've missed out on moments with my family, my friends, even myself, that I want to just slow down and take a pause. And in doing that, I really brings me back to the present, which for me is incredibly important. Mm. Wow. Thank you for being vulnerable to share that with us, because that is so important that ones realize all the beauty that's right there with them and for them but they have to be able to get that self-care first so that they can reuptake. So it's a perfect segue into our subtypes because I really believe there's an ordering to the subtypes. And this is the one part of my brain that I think that if we're self-preserving and we get some self-care first, and then we pay attention to our one-on-one, -on -one, our closest attachments, and then we go into that two space. Uh, and, and for all of us, we don't have a two, but we want to be able to affiliate with that helper side socially. I think that the self-preserving, then the one-to-one, -one, and then the social is a very healthy way for you to think of a rhythm. So if right now you just gave socially, that means the next thing you probably need to do is take some time to get organized and to rest or to play, and then get into your one-on-one -on -one and say, okay, what can we do? How can I be less perfectionistic?
optimistic on my Nate? How can I enjoy them more? How can I soak it up more? And then head into, okay, now it's time to go glow out there again together and individually. And to find how you and your spouse glow together, you can also get our glow guides because I have guides for all 45 pairings, whatever type you're with as a one. But I also want you guys to understand that some of you lean towards one of the subtypes. So I was hinting earlier, but Jen, you lean toward the self-preserving, right? Yes, I do. And I realized that not long ago that I'm definitely leaning too hard into self-preserving and I was recently just sick. And with that, I was really in my self-preserving zone for a long time. And I was just taking care of myself and my family and, you know, trying to keep that everything afloat while being sick. And now that I'm feeling a lot better, my focus is now on, okay, I need to get back into my one-to-one relationships, get, you know, bond with my very close friends and my spouse, and then I can be more social and feeling a lot better is helping me to do that. But the balance is, can be a struggle, but paying attention to it is really helping me to make sure I have a better balance. And then also not too hard into the other ones where it makes me very uncomfortable when I do too many social activities, I kind of get out of myself and that's not good either. Yeah, that's, and that kind of tells us Jen's sequence is she's doing the, um, you know, not to put you under a microscope, Jen, um, I know my turn's coming when we do stuff, <laughs> but she's doing self-preserving and then she's walking into social and sometimes maybe missing that one-to-one and, and I'm sure different days she does different dances with this, but we just want to help all of you to listen that they're all good. These are all beautiful instincts, but we typically find spouses who have a different instinct than us in these three. And I just want to remind you that if you're part of the self-preserving one, you're going to be caring a little bit more about just like she said, like, we don't want to get sick as much. We want to take care of ourselves. We want more wellness. So this one may struggle with fear more versus the anger that the others two um, do. Doesn't mean they don't struggle with anger, but it, it means that they have a couple things to work on. They can mimic a type six sometimes and have to do some of the six work and sixes struggle with anxiety. But then the other two, the, the sexual one or the one-to-one one, as it's also called, they can struggle with trying to make their partner perfect and feeling, like I said, like almost that four or eight space, like I need more because my partner isn't enough. And so then they can really struggle with um, even trying to get involved in other relationships potentially, or just dominating to the point of access and hurt and pain and kind of a never ending fixer. And then the social one can go into trying to reform just about everybody in the world and feeling like if you don't see the world from my perspective, then you're dead wrong. And we've talked on this podcast before how Wes is a social one, but he has learned so much over the years about how to love people who are different from him. And God has brought him through all kinds of different journeys to do this. It's been hilarious and funny and also scary at times for him because he's like, wow, I never would have picked this or that. Um, He works now in medicine with um, seeing the most dirty, (laughs) heinous issues. And um, some of him and his friends were talking the other day and they were like, ew, like imagine having to get the anal check, you know, and he's like, I have to do that sometimes. It's like, oh, one has to like go into all these uncomfortable situations socially that he never would have wished. But 
it's so important for ones to be able to say, okay, there is goodness in the mess of life and in helping people right where they're at. And just to give them some encouragement, that's why Wes is a very gifted medical professional. And before that was a gifted teacher because he was learning that. But in his early days, when he first met me, he was marking up my Bible, which was a new international version that I had barely read. And he was going through every single piece of it, marking King James version, King James version. (laughs) And he was doing what he thought was right. But now he's like, I feel so bad that I ever marked up your beautiful Bible that you had to earn, you know, through like earning Bible verses. So he's really come a long way to realize like not everyone shares his faith, not everybody shares this or that angle and that there's a lot of different experiences out there. So social ones need to hear that, that you will be more palatable to your family and to your people if you hear other perspectives. And as Jen hinted, there's a little bit of all three in all ones, right, Jen? Yes, there is. And you know what? I think when you start to really learn about your instincts, you'll hone into them and you'll realize the importance of all of them and including them in your life. And it's just about the knowledge. And so getting this deep dive on on the one really tells you about each of the instincts and then tells you how to access them and and the different ways that you can, because it's going to be different for everyone. Exactly. And I'm really excited that we also have tips for communications as a spouse to a one spouse. We also have tips for coaching. We have relaxation tips. We have levels of relationship health so that you can take a look at ones in health, moderate distress and dysfunction and so much more. So check out our deep dives, which are attached to this podcast Thank you, Jen, so much for just really spending time. I absolutely adored this time. It was very energizing and I hope that our ones will really love it. I know they're going to. Yes, me too. I really enjoyed this. I'm glad we got my one out of the way so that I don't have to um, be under the microscope for the future ones, but I love it. And I love learning more about it. And I just always with the Enneagram, I want to shout it from the rooftops and tell everyone because learning about your Enneagram type really helped you to grow in yourself and your marriage. And I just want everyone to be able to have the growth. It's awesome. Me too. Thank you so much for partnering with me on this journey. And we love living intentionally with you guys. Yes, my pleasure. And check us out on Enneagram and Marriage on Facebook. We have a huge growing group and we're doing awesome things over there. Yes, you are. I'm so excited about that too. And our Instagram group and you've got our website. So check it all out in the show notes. If you love this episode, we also ask that you subscribe so we can say hey to you every week and you can listen into the other types as well as we do these deep dives all month long and even through the next month a little bit too. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Bye everyone. Well, that went so well. I'm so excited that you guys are getting to learn all about Enneagram Ones. I hope you'll bring this to your people. Make sure you subscribe if you're not already so you can check in on each and every one as soon as it downloads. And then I also want to make sure that you guys are connecting with us on social media. So make sure you're following like Jen said on Facebook or on Instagram at Enneagram and Marriage and make sure you grab a copy of this deep dive so you and your partner or your spouse can super delve deep with us because we went so much deeper. We have journaling spaces. We have case studies about every type. And we told you everything in the episode so you know what's there and it's waiting for you. And we hope that you guys have a wonderful day. We love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.